Up next, the news you can use from YAA. It's your 30-minute fix for all your car questions, industry news, and tips you can use when buying your next vehicle. We're your hosts, Ray and Zach Shepska, the founders of YAA. We're here every weekday, live at noon Eastern. Check us out at joinyaa.com. Come on, get in! Well, folks, it's noon in sunny, soon-to-be-snowy West Virginia, and right here in Bethesda, Maryland. And this is news that you can use from YAA. And as you can see, it's not Zach and Ray today, because, well, Zach abandoned us, and he's up in New York. So it's it's Ray, and the F&I goddess herself, Miss Kimberly Klein, and, and our EV expert, Mr. Justin Fisher. How are you kids today? Peachy, I was just out, you know, assessing my christmas trees and and they all look fantastic don't they, they? Do. and so tonight i'll be decorating all of these so they look beautiful they yeah, do they and and justin how about you you yeah. you you trying to charge that bad boy in the snow oh uh, that uh audi e-tron behind me yeah that's not mine but my ionic 5 has no problem charging because i'm just charging it at home which is where it's always the cheapest but i'm so glad to be with you guys today i'm wearing my ray swag so if you guys are interested <laughs> All right. I love you guys it. are interested in some yaa merch we've got merch check it out on joinyaa.com but yeah lovely to be here today excited for the cold uh Zero degree temperatures on the way, three inches of snow. I'm excited. Well, I'm I glad know. you're. I'm glad you kids are excited about that. I I would be considering Miami Beach right about that time, but that's just <laughs> that's, that's just me. Okay, we get it. Uh, we get it. Well, I want to thank you both for for being here, and and Justin, I want to thank you for throwing in that plug so early in the show. <laughs> Zach would be extremely proud of you. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought today. Well, yeah. that's not true. My son thought today that we should start the show off um, with, well, uh, additional Ford news in that Ford has has uh, was sued and reached a settlement, allegedly. So I'm going to try sharing my screen. Let's see if I can do this. Present, share screen, uh, sh hit the share thing there, right? Share, or no, hit there and then hit share and then hit there did yes. i do it you okay. got it you got it i'm shocked that ford is in the news again this should be interesting <laughs> so hard to imagine uh, this is just perfect ford settles lawsuit over super duty roof failures for just a mere 1.7 billion dollars b um, however b. so i don't know is it really a settlement when the next line says the blue oval is seeking a new trial. <laughs> <laughs> so does that sound like a settlement or they're trying to get out of it? Um, but to date, there have been 58 lawsuits in 20 years concerning 38 deaths. And this all stems from uh, roof issues on Ford pickup trucks that were made between 1999 and 2016, alleging that in rollover accidents, the roof can fail and collapse, causing serious injuries, including paralysis or even death. Um, <clears throat> so there have been any number of lawsuits so far. There's, Ford has settled 43 of the 58 lawsuits. Mm -hmm. And when they settle, they 
it's it's cheaper to settle than to actually go to trial and they 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 pay out x amount of dollars whatever it is in many cases it's it has to remain private right uh, as, but but uh out of the 58 lawsuits they've only won four mm-hmm. um so that's not a very good track record and and then in this particular lawsuit in georgia uh, they lost, and and the damages awarded to the claimant were 1.7 billion. That's billion with a B. Yes. Um, what do you kids make of that? Well, I, I will tell you that the settlements. Okay, for, first and foremost, there are deaths involved. Okay, yes. let's all remember there are deaths involved. Secondly, they have settled on many. Um, But thirdly, along comes the deaths of an elderly couple, Melvin and Von Seal. And a tire ruptured, the the Ford F-250 rolled, and they were crushed. Um, However, the family said, no, we're not going to settle. So I think it was the the couple's son had -hmm. heard about the other incidents and said, no way. We're not settling with you, Ford. We're going to take this to trial. And that's what it takes, I feel, in my mind, are for people like the couple's son here saying, no, we're going to go to trial. I know what your, tra- your, your track history is, your track mm-hmm. record is, um, and we're not going to settle. And so that's exactly what happened. Um, now, w- again, we don't know everything. A lot of these things are sealed, like the details of the case and, mm-hmm. and that, but... I think it's going to take more and more and more people like these sons to say, no, Ford, we're not going to settle. You can dangle your millions if that's what they're settling for. That, too, is close. So we don't know how much they're settling for, but they're dangling it in front of people so that they don't, don't have to go to trial. And I think we need more people to take them through the ringer, so to speak, to <laughs> trial. Yeah, it's a really, really sad situation, but something that stood out to me was a comment on the Jalopnik article about this. Down at the bottom, that was like kind of a light bulb moment for me. Someone commented, as tragic as this is, if they met the criteria for crash safety way back in the day, shouldn't the NHTSA crash testers be kind of involved or worried about the the validity of their crash testing for this vehicle? Because... Um, I don't know. And then Ford Ford had said that they argued in their uh, court cases about this, that uh, the, the case you were mentioning, Kimberly, was due to faults with the drivers uh, having over carrying capacity uh, yeah. over the load capacity. So that's very interesting that I guess that's a good point from um, that commenter. So what does this say about crash test ratings? Uh, right. I don't know. That's that's well, what I'm thinking about. You know, most of the crash test ratings are for front, side, and rear yeah. impacts. Yeah. Um, and I, I would imagine, yes, they must do some rollover impacts, but I, I really don't know if, if they do or they don't. Um, but to me, the fact that 43 of the cases were settled, um, that just... That just speaks to the hypocrisy of our judicial system in that rather than finding wrongdoing, lawyers have convinced, attorneys have convinced both the plaintiff and the defendant that it is in everyone's best interest to just 
take some type of monetary settlement as opposed to, as in this case, actually litigating and having the the uh, claim go to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know when when I ran dealerships and there would be issues that would come up and somebody would want to sue us or said they were going to sue us, you know, we... We were always advised by counsel, well, just find a middle ground and find a settlement and and be done with it. It's going to be cheaper for you to, to do that rather than the expense of either proving that you were innocent or having been proved that you were wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the aspect of it that bothers me because we see it all the time when the FTC, you know, uh, Dealer doesn't admit the wrongdoing, but pays a $10 million fine. Well, why would anybody in the right mind pay a $10 million fine if they weren't wrong? Um, right, right. I, you know, I see just, Justin has a finger up. Oh, well, yes, Justin. This is an interesting uh, parallel. So we might all remember what happened in 2017 when Equifax had a data breach that affected 150 million people. I was one of them. I'm sure many of you were too. I just today happened to receive my settlement. No yes. way. How and much was it? Many of you probably did too. Check your emails. Yes. Equifax sent me $10.47. Of the settlement. So okay. I, I, I guess I shouldn't have settled. I should have taken Equifax to court and paid for all the lawyers <laughs> and stuff. Uh, pro bono Maybe. But oh, I took the settlement, got my 10 bucks. Hopefully uh, my identity is not stolen. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. You know, I got to tell you guys, I was in an accident one time in my life, and it was uh-huh. it was a really bad accident. It wasn't my fault. But it, I, I rolled a, a 250, a Ford 250 van. Wow. Um, a couple of times, actually. And then it finally landed on its roof. And I, I'm, I'm going back in my mind, like, what happened to the roof? Did it crush? Did it? What did it do? Um. It, it did. It did cry. It, it did fold in. And so I'm not an engineer, you know, and I don't play one on TV, but maybe they need some, don't some vehicles have um, roll, not roll bars, but the braces that are yeah. strong. And you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Some, some roofs are more reinforced than others. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Ralph. Yeah. You're you're very welcome. That's that's what I'm here for to help put words in people's mouths. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. Oh my gosh! So Ford is settling lawsuits all over the place, but um, I would like to know. Let's let's do the next one. We've got some other Ford Ford news. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, we do, and and I believe I have to I have to share again because well, that's the kind of person I am. I am a giver, a sharer of info. Yes, you are. I got this, Ray, rooting for you. Uh, let's see, here we go. Oh, you did oh it. Ford, I did it. Ford CEO Farley tells retired engineers, fixing quality will take several years. Is also he a poet? Says, He's a yeah. poet. He yeah. doesn't yeah. know yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Also says that until it's fixed, nothing else matters. Um, well, there's a guy that can talk out of both sides of his mouth, but that's <laughs> that's another story. Um, I just want to read this. Um, yep. If I may, 
After a number of years of recalls, troubling warranty costs, Ford hired uh, former J.D. Power VP Josh Halberton in March of this year to be executive director of quality. Yeah, because you were a vice president of J.D. Power and you send out surveys. Okay, <laughs> that that should qualify you to be the executive right. director of quality. Let's hire him. Yeah. 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 Because he knows how to survey people. Um <laughs> <laughs> Halliburton got a new boss, Ford moving longtime product developer exec Jim Baumbeck into the role of chief transformation and quality officer to replace Stuart Raleigh. Having just called the audible, it's going to take Ford time to execute the play. Ford Authority reports that when CEO Jim Farley recently spoke to Ford retired engineering executives free um, yeah that's the name of the group he told them fixing quality is my number one priority it's the most important initiative in the whole company and it's going to take several years several years uh, yeah and that's and that's right after his other most important priority, which is redefining the customer experiences to how they buy cars and electric vehicles from Ford. So I don't know what his real priority is. Now, um, go right ahead, Justin. If you go back to July of just this year, yes. Mr. Farley himself, um, His Majesty Farley, he said <laughs> that, quote, I got the quote here to make sure I don't skew this in any way. Ford absolutely has too many people. That's what Mr. Farley ah. told uh, some bankers at Morgan Stanley this past summer. Maybe Ford just has their people in the wrong department and they need Could to be. just, uh, you know, do a lateral transfer it, over to it, the quality it, control. I, I don't know how you would feel as a customer, but seeing that, seeing that headline, hearing or reading what he's saying about how this is a, a issue that's been around for a while and that it's going to take several years to correct. If I were a consumer and I was thinking about buying a vehicle of some kind, um, would, I, would I consider buying a vehicle from a manufacturer who states that we have quality issues and it's going to take us years to fix it. Or would I search out other manufacturers who have less quality control issues and fewer recalls than what Ford has? If you were a consumer, uh, Kimberly, what would you do? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, just knowing that Ford Motor Company spent what almost four B billion dollars yes. yes. in warranty costs right yes it just and that was in 2020 that was in 2020 four billion dollars just in warranty costs in 2020 uh four four point one nine million cars sold sold globally i i just i would not own a ford that's just me that's just me i realize that all vehicles they have their issues they all yes. do Something that comes to mind for me is, uh, number one, he's talking to retired engineers. So they're engineers, right? Yeah. Um, engineers yep. tend to be more involved in the powertrain aspect. I know they're involved in other aspects, too. But uh, also the fact that he says several years, 
which part of vehicle production is guaranteed to to take several years it's it's going to be the powertrain engineering powertrain life cycle typically you're going to see powertrains um in development for years and then used for years before they cycle them out for something better so what i'm what i'm thinking here and i haven't read too much into the details so correct me if i'm wrong but yeah. if you're saying it's going to take several years to fix these issues yeah that's probably meaning that they know there are powertrain issues they don't want to talk about because powertrains take several years to fix I don't know I'm, about that, Justin. I, I would say that computers and electronics play a huge part in this as well. That could be a quicker um, fix, though. Maybe. Hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't I, know. I, I would put a slightly different spin on it. Yeah. And, and my spin would be the reason it would take several years is because um, the willingness to accept inferior products over an extended period of time has permeated everything that they do at Ford and to change that type of thinking will take several years because they have how many thousands of employees who's who have to go through a culture change for things to look different moving forward hmm. Yeah, that and aren't we always hearing about layoffs coming with Ford? Yes, and but you're going to hear about layoffs coming with everybody. I mean, you know, yeah. with the with the state of the economy right now, right? Um, you know, we we've seen uh, a ton of layoffs in the tech sector. We're, we're seeing layoffs in automotive uh, at places like Carvana, for instance. Um, there, there's there's uh, I saw a comment that. Ford's expected to lay off people after Christmas. Um, you know, how, how and and how do you change the culture? How do you how do you bring about a desire to mm -hmm. to really want to build a better product when obviously they've made tons of money building somewhat inferior products? for the longest period of time hmm. maybe ford won't be fixing any of their ice vehicle problems as they transition to battery electric vehicles that's interesting, interesting. yeah but i i saw something today where um sentiment towards how much ev adoption there is going to be moving forward in this country yeah has dropped dramatically the oh, yeah. expectation for for the number of EVs sold by 2030 has dropped by like 65%. Wow. My, I'm the EV guy, and my expectation for how many are going to be sold has dropped. So I, I feel that. And, and why? Why do you feel that? Uh, really, it's just down to one big reason from my perspective, and that's costs and the fact that costs are going to have to stay high if automakers are hoping to stay alive make any uh -huh. profit at all mm -hmm. um i was one of the many uh, i think almost everyone who thought as of you know let's say as of 2018 i thought price parity between a great electric vehicle with 300 miles of range and fast charging times of 20 minutes um 
I thought that price parity would be here by like 2022, 2023, where you could get a great electric vehicle for $35,000. I'm talking great. Um, mm. That's not going to be the case because uh, you've got raw material costs going through the roof, affecting electric vehicles way yeah. more than their combustion counterparts. Um, lithium prices have gone up by like three to 400% in about a year and a half. That means that automakers are funneling like $10,000 of just raw materials into every electric vehicle they make, not to mention the infrastructure issue. I actually have a lot more faith in the infrastructure issue getting resolved within the next few years, but um, it's going to be a cost that is extremely prohibitive. And um, I mean, I've seen people saying, yeah, 50% of new car sales will be all electric by 2030. I'm thinking more like 30% in the United States. Sure, Norway and lots of Scandinavian countries are at like 80% of new car mm -hmm. sales being electric right now. But those are smaller countries. And in a smaller country that's not as geographically spread out, it's a lot easier to throw up an infrastructure network of EV fast chargers. Um, people aren't driving across Montana, the northern Great Plains, <laughs> Appalachia, where I live and where Kimberly lives. Um, they don't have as many issues with... Uh, charging dead spots as we do in the united states but um they do deal with the cold which i know is something we're about to talk about <laughs> and and one of the other things that i i'd like to bring up in regards to how sentiment has changed towards evs um rising interest rates don't help mm -hmm. <laughs> it and and you touched on it with the cost of of raw materials needed for it that doesn't help and the other thing you touched on, affordability. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about how they're going to build an affordable electric vehicle. And yes, there's the Chevy Bolt. Um, and, right. and yes, there, there must be one other. I don't know, or a couple others. Um, but none of them are being built in any quantities that a large percentage of people can go out and buy them. So... How how can you possibly have that transition from ICE vehicles to EVs when you have this basic affordability issue uh, that the vast majority of people who drive cars and might want to buy a new car can't afford to buy either an ICE vehicle or an EV? Yeah. yeah. Well... The answer that I hope ends up becoming reality is that, well, you make the EVs cheaper, right? But I am terrified of an emerging trend that we've talked a lot about on YAA, which is automakers raising the prices of their combustion and traditional mm. hybrid models. And yeah, you're going to have price parity if you raise the price of your Toyota RAV4 to, you know, I don't know, $45,000 in a few years. And then, well, yeah, if your electric vehicle also costs $45,000, that's price parity. Yes, ignoring the fact that you're raising every other price to get there. Right. Um, I right. think uh, legacy automakers in particular, they're in a bind right now because some of them have stated openly and others not so much, but they're, they're literally relying on the fact, relying on a plan, which is to use the revenue from their traditional combustion divisions, the revenue from that to fund the electrification of their company. And, mm -hmm they're going to get greedy and they're, they're already greedy, but they're, they're going to get more <laughs> greedy as time goes on in the 2020s, because you're going to see those MSRPs for just your regular F-150 bump up as they try to figure out a way to lower the price of the F-150 lightning and so on and so forth. So 
scary times. But hey, yeah. I drive an EV and I like it. Unfortunately. Um, Justin, can you read uh, Javi's um, his comment? He gave us five dollars. Yeah. Uh, okay. I didn't see that. Thank you for that, Javi. Thank you so much. So generous. So it says, John, uh, Justin, speaking to me, I see. Yes. Once, uh, I once spoke of Ford's hybrid system in the same class as Toyota's. Does that quality issue also affect that? It would make me nervous about it, although I do not know any hard facts about Ford's uh, hybrid system. Uh, having quality issues right now. Don't know about it. Um, I am impressed with how the Ford Maverick is a standard hybrid. Saves a lot of fuel costs, but mm -hmm. can't speak to that directly. Thank you so much for that comment. Yes, thank you. Well, should we transition to a wintertime issue that could possibly be affecting I don't know, the kind of vehicle that you drive, Justin. And and this is going to cost me once again to figure out how to share <laughs> my damn screen. You but can I do it. But I think I'm getting better at it. Um, this and, is interesting. And, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it didn't take a genius to figure this out. Um, winter and cold weather EV range loss in 7,000 cars. It's a big data set. Um, Justin, would you go through this for us? Yeah. So uh, basically, this is something that EV nerds like myself have always known, but it's important to share with the masses as we uh, march towards electrification. Mm -hmm. Basically, due to efficiency losses and simply how much energy it takes to heat the cabin, if you want to, you know, not be freezing in your car while you drive on the highway, electric mm -hmm. vehicles lose a whole lot of range in the winter. This is something we've known. It's yeah. on average about 20% range loss in the winter. Keep in mind that combustion vehicles, too, also are less efficient in the winter. But gas stations are everywhere, so that's a big difference. <laughs> I will always acknowledge that, Ray. <laughs> um, now, another issue that this particular article from Recurrent does not necessarily dive into as deeply is that charging an electric vehicle is slower in the winter, too. Yeah, interesting. Uh, forgot why. I'm not an engineer, you guys. Not going to pretend like I am. But um, electric vehicles who have been that have been engineered to have something called battery preconditioning, they charge a whole lot faster in the winter. So this is just an example of you get oh. what you pay for in EVs. That is very, very true. And it's also kind of sad because people who are trying their best to get into a $30,000 Nissan Leaf or Chevy Bolt, they're not going to have some of the conveniences that a $65,000 electric vehicle is going to have. And um, all too often, one example of that is going to be driving in the winter is going to suck really bad in a budget EV. You're going to charge slower. And if you're losing 20% of your range in a 300 mile EV, that's less of an issue versus losing 20% of your range in an 180-mile EV, right? Like yeah. the Nissan Leaf, um, previously the most affordable electric vehicle in the market, it's now the Chevy Bolt. The Nissan Leaf has 180 miles of range. In the winter, Recurrent Auto's data set shows that it's going to get about 144 miles of range. Many people will say that's all right, especially if you just drive it around town, maybe you live in an urban area. But what if you don't? and you rely on public chargers to travel quite often. You're going to be charging at even slower rates in the winter, and the Nissan Leaf already charges slow. So for some who are spending, like myself, the, the Hyundai Ioniq 5, 
I'm typically spending 20, 25 minutes at a fast charger when I'm traveling. Otherwise, I charge at home overnight mm-hmm. in the summer, right? 25 minutes, let's say. In the winter, I've found that it's more like 40 minutes. I don't mm-hmm. travel every weekend, so it's all right with me. I still love saving about $100 a month in fuel, and I enjoy not having uh, emissions from my tailpipe. But um, when it comes to those who are traveling all the time in the winter, especially in the northern tier states, if you're driving from Michigan to, I don't know, Nebraska or wherever you're going all the time and you can't just simply plug in at home overnight in the winter, range loss and charging losses can be a deal breaker for EVs. You know, we do have. Go ahead, Kimberly. Well, I was just going to say, we do have this large mass of Siberian cold air coming down from the north. And I I have to say, Justin, I'm curious, wouldn't it be kind of interesting to find out after the storm blows through? A lot of people are expecting a lot of snow, but also the cold snap that's coming with it. Mm. I want to hear from those people. I want to hear from EV people. Um, I would like to see some studies on that after we get through the wintertime to see how people feel about their evs after they go through a very cold snap winter yeah everything i've seen it really comes down to infrastructure because if you lose 20 percent of your range in the winter it doesn't really matter if chargers are easy to find and they actually work like in much of europe because northern europe is pretty damn cold it's colder than it is here in west virginia Uh, and northern europe has way higher electric vehicle adoption rates than we do in the united states they still have high consumer satisfaction because they've got the infrastructure to support it. There are chargers everywhere. They work. Um, that's not the case here in the United States yet. So a lot of EV drivers going through their first winter with, say, a Ford Mustang Mach-E, they're going to have some unpleasant surprises if they're trying to take a road trip this upcoming Christmas weekend. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough charging in the extreme cold. I, I, I do have a question for you. Um, since you are our resident expert on EVs. Lord of EVs, um, yes. You are the Lord, the Lord of EVs, yes. Uh, and I believe they're going to make a movie similar to Lord of the Flies about Lord of the EVs, but we'll, we shall see. Um, my question to you is, since vehicles charge slower when it's colder, um, lose range, for public charging, what is the percentage of, there must be a study on this, what is the percentage of public chargers that you can go to that, I don't know, actually work? Because so for, I go ahead. For Tesla's network, they are the gold standard for charging. No matter what you think about the cars, the build quality, none of that, the pricing, the politics, who cares? When it comes to the supercharger network, they are the gold standard for EV charging worldwide. They have a 98% uptime for individual chargers. 98% of the time, that charging plug is working. That is the best. When it comes to Electrify America, I don't have hard numbers, but that's the network that I use. I don't have hard data, but um, it really seems like 80% of the time it's working. (laughs) And that's a problem. Um, I'm well aware that's a problem and it needs to be fixed soon. The National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Funding from the federal government is now being distributed to all 50 states, the Port, uh, Puerto Rico and other territories, uh, to build out federally funded charging networks that are open to all. It's not a walled garden like Tesla's network is. Only Tesla's can use them in the United States. Mm-hmm. However, I'm nervous. I'm terrified because uh, 
they better do a good job engineering and installing and you know subcontracting out the installation of these federally funded chargers they better not be like electrify america that would be a disaster and a waste of money but i'm what, scared that it'll what, do you do you know um why or what it is that causes um say 20 percent of the chargers to not operate properly or at all so uh, over on YAA Electric, check it out if you haven't already. We had none other, none other than Kyle Connor, arguably the Internet's uh, largest EV YouTuber. Uh, it's got a huge following. And we talked to Kyle Connor about this. Why are Electrify America and some other charging networks failing when Tesla stations don't? And it really comes down to two things. Electrify America was built based off of the Volkswagen Dieselgate settlement money. And mm. during that time, they were scrambling to buy parts off the shelf anywhere they could to mm. build these charging networks. And in the process, they sourced parts from three or four major suppliers and then a bunch of other tiny suppliers. And what you ended up having was a patchwork of charging networks that uh, some of them worked great. Some of them didn't like Signet chargers. Uh, if you look down at the bottom of an Electrify America station, it'll show you who actually built it. Signet ones, they work great. ABV ones really suck. That's an example of what I've noticed in my experiences. But um, as we move forward, these charging providers are learning from the mistakes of the past. That was like 2017 through 2020. And they're going away from that whole uh, throw it all into the pot and see if it works strategy. And um, I have I have some faith that it might have a better outcome because uh, they're not doing that. But then there's also preventative maintenance. And I'll keep this one short. Um, Tesla, with their network, we had a Tesla service technician on YA Electric about six months ago at this point. And he explained to us how Tesla keeps their stations in great working order because they do preventative maintenance, replacing charging cables, replacing charging handles before they break. Like, I forget, once every thousand uses, something like that. Whereas Electrify America, you guessed it, they wait until it breaks to fix it. Mm. And then they might not fix it as quickly as perhaps they should. You're right. They don't have technicians everywhere like Tesla does. Uh, Tesla even has a West Virginia technician, Kimberly. Can you believe that? That is would be a fun <laughs> job, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because he's, probably he's in West, Yeah, that would be a really cool job to be the yeah. electrician for all the Tesla. Well, kids, believe it or not, we've killed almost 35 minutes today. Yeah, wow. Go up. Yeah. And and don't you have a show to do in 10 minutes, Justin? Not today. We're taking oh, okay. a break this week. Yep, working okay. on some other some other projects. Oh, well. Coming very soon. Good. Coming soon. At some point you'll fill us all in. Well, I I want to I want to thank you both for being here today and helping to fill in for Zach's absence. We've got a I promo. Believe <laughs> we do yeah i i i believe mr zachary will be back here tomorrow um doing well at noon eastern nine pacific with more well news that you can use from yaa <laughs> um and so we look forward to seeing you all back here tomorrow thank you both kimberly and justin and thank you everybody for watching today have a great day don't forget to be here tomorrow at noon eastern nine pacific join us again next time which is probably tomorrow to get the news you can use from yaa yaa is your trusted source for all things auto thanks for listening see you soon <laughs> <laughs>